we are in the Lord's Prayer study. I've had a few of you say, you know, we've done that before or something like that before, and I suppose that's true. You probably have. I've not preached through this since I've been here. But if you've been through the church for a while, you probably have heard the Lord's Prayer before at least. And yet I've never met anybody who said, you know what, my prayer life is excellent. My prayer life is just so great, I just, there is no room for improvement. On a scale of 1 to 10, it's, it's an 11. Now, and I will say this, in all sincerity, if that's you and you've just got this nailed, just let me know and next week you can come and I'll sit and listen because... I know that my prayer life is experiencing different highs and lows at different times. It's got peaks and valleys, and when it's strong, it affects my life in amazingly good ways, and when it's weak, it affects it in bad ways. And I think throughout the history of the church, people have said, you know, I want to pray better. I mean, the disciples in Luke, they ask Jesus, they say, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And in response, Jesus gives them the Lord's Prayer. A longer version of that is found here in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus starts this teaching on prayer by saying, pray then in this way. And the word pray is an imperative word. It's almost like it's a command, like you should pray this. You should pray this way. And I know within this room, there's a lot of people who've come from different church traditions. Some of you grew up in your church, you prayed the Lord's Prayer every Sunday and maybe more. And others of you, you didn't. And in our own church tradition is sort of viewed the Lord's Prayer. We, you know, we like it. It's from Jesus. It's in Scripture. But we sort of viewed the, the use of the Lord's Prayer with a little bit of suspicion, like this is what you prayed until you learned how to pray for yourself. And I'll tell you, I think that's probably not the right way to look at this. You look at the way Jesus says this. He says, you know, pray then in this way. You you look at the early church, about 100 A.D., there's a collection of apostolic teachings, teachings of the apostles and the apostles' uh, disciples themselves in a book called the Didache. And the Didache was collected as sort of a manual for the early church. And around 100 A.D., maybe earlier, maybe a little bit later, but around this point in time, the Didache says this, if you're a Christian, here's what you should do. In your prayers, you should pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. You should pray through it three times a day personally. Now, they're not imagining that you would pray through it like, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're going to claim your will be done on earth. It's there in bread favor. Amen. It's not like that. Like, like I remembered it, and now let's see if I can break my record and say it in 10 seconds today and not like, like, like 15 was yesterday and get a new record. They imagined you'd pray through it thoughtfully contemplatively. You, you would be praying through it and meaning it. That was the idea. The Didache also said, not only do you pray through it three times a day, but each time the church gets together, you should pray it. And they took the prayer so seriously that if you came into the church and you weren't a believer, they wouldn't let you pray the prayer. Because this was a prayer that only people who could address God as our Father could pray. You zoom forward to the Protestant Reformation, and you've maybe heard of this guy, Martin Luther, who was really glad to get rid of all the things from the church that he thought were not helpful spiritually. But you know what he does hold on to? He holds on to the Lord's Prayer. He says, we should probably keep this. We should probably pray this prayer. And yet we've sort of tossed it aside as a rote exercise that religious but not spiritual people use. And I'll tell you, I think that might be one of the reasons why we struggle with prayer. 
We've thrown away the answer that Jesus gave to his disciples. When we're like, what do I do with my prayer life? Jesus has already told us. And yet we've sort of skipped over it. Paul also tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that the Holy Spirit helps us in our prayers. You go there and it says that the Holy Spirit intercedes between us and God and helps us to pray. And when we don't know how to pray, the the Spirit helps us to do that. But I would say this, can't the Spirit who gave us the Scripture also use the Scripture to help us to pray? Can't He do that also? And so as we go through this series, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. And I know it's different. I know we don't always do that, but let's give it a shot. Some of you made resolutions to be closer to God this year. Some of you've made resolutions to lose weight. Maybe this is one of those things. You give it six weeks and you can take off the weight. You know, maybe it's one of those. I don't know, but it couldn't hurt us to to pray in the way that Jesus taught. So why don't you stand and we'll say the Lord's Prayer in a prayerful way together. I've got it on the screen. So we get the debts, debtors, trespasses, and all those things right. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, you can be seated. This week, we're going to look at those first sort of two phrases, our Father in heaven and hallowed be your name. It's pretty straightforward. I know a lot of this isn't going to be new for you. It'll be reminding you of things you've probably forgotten. But the first thing we figure out here is that God is our Father in heaven. That's the first thing we we pick up here. Now, it's a phrase that's loaded in meaning, our Father in heaven. It's a dichotomy. It's one that we sort of struggle with to find the balance with because our Father highlights this idea that there's this intimacy that that we could call God Father or the Aramaic word Jesus used might very well have been Dad. We struggle between that and this idea that there is a God in heaven. The, the, the imminent part of God who is close and the transcendent part of God who is far away. But God is our Father in heaven. And because of that, because God is our Father, we are a family. God wants us to be called by that special name that every father wants to be called. Now, I come home after a day here at the church, and my children greet me, and they don't say, Weston, how was your day at the office? Was it good? I trust it was good. Trust it was good, Mr. Williams. We don't have that kind of formality at our house. You know, if, if they recognize that I've come home, it's, it's Dad or Daddy, we're glad to see you. It's how it is, and that's what I want. I mean, you can't call me that special name. That's not the relationship we have, but that's the relationship I have with them. And that's how it is to be with God. We have that special name that we can call God. Prior to this teaching, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, we see that Jesus talks a lot about the prayers of the hypocrites or the Gentiles or, or, or the Greeks, whoever you know, your translation says. And it says that they like to pile up names, that they like to have long phrases. 
We know that the Greeks at this time loved to address God by like every name they could think of, like, you know, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and Prince of Peace. And they would like go through the whole litany, like trying to get God's attention. Like maybe if I say all of his names, he'll pay attention to me. And Jesus's prayer in contrast is much more simple. Not a lot of names, just one, our Father. And you notice that possessive pronoun there, our What's that indicate? It indicates that God wants to be identified by the relationship He has with us. He says, I want to be known as your God, and I want you to be known as my people. The Lord's Prayer reminds us that we're family, God and us. But the Lord's Prayer also, it reminds us that it's not my Father, but our Father. We talked a little bit about this in our Sunday school classroom. The Lord's Prayer reminds us that we're family with each other. If God's our Father, then we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Warren Wiersbe writes a, a great book on this, and I'll, I'll, I'll hit a few points from here, but I, I thought this was a good poem he had. He said, To live above with saints we love will certainly be glory. And isn't that something we look forward to? Living in heaven with all the people we love, with, with the saints that have gone on before us, with the saints that we know here today. And so he says that, he says, to live above with, saints above, above with saints we love will certainly be glory. To live below with saints we know, well, that's another story. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? We're like, man, I can't wait to be to heaven to live in, in glory with everybody. But goodness, if that person talks to me again for the 15-minute coffee time between service and Sunday school, I don't think I can take it anymore. We have that sort of feeling. We can't tolerate each other. And that's not right. When we pray this prayer, we're reminded that we're family. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 tells us how important it is. It says, those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. John's words, not mine. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And we get all this right here in that Our Father piece. Are we living in a relationship with God and with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Because God is our Father, we're family. But because God is in heaven, He is unique in His majesty and in His glory. Yes, God is close. God is our Father. We are family. But there is still something that, that separates us from God. It's His glory. It's, it's His heaven peace. And yet we know that Jesus has said that He's going to, He's gone to prepare a place for us. That where He is, we also might be. So when we pray our Father in heaven, we're not addressing it to a distant God, but we're sort of sending letters home. Well, we're sending letters home to the place where we really belong. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says this. It says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of His glory, by the power that also enables Him to make all things subject to Himself. Paul says, listen, we don't belong to this world. And so when we pray to our Father in heaven, we're talking to God who is in our true home. And this prayer directs our thoughts, not around us to all the things that are evil and wrong with this world, but, but it directs our thoughts up to the place where we really belong, to, to the God, the Father who is really listening to us. Psalmist says, what? I lift up my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. And friends, that's what our Father in heaven reminds us of. Because while God is high and lofty, He is close. Isaiah 57, 15 says this, 
For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with those who are contrite and humble in spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite. What a beautiful picture that God who is in heaven, glory and majesty and all the things we ascribe to him there. The book of Isaiah tells us that he's close to us. When we pray to him in humility, the God in heaven comes near when we call on him in humility, which is why we address him as our father. And because God is our heavenly father, his name is to be hallowed. We don't do a lot with this word hallowed today. It means sort of to make holy, to praise. I would say it recognizes God's name for what it is. You know, we we use God's name for a lot of things that we shouldn't use God's name for. And so it does us good to hallow God's name at the beginning of our prayer. Our God is in heaven, and we want His name to be praised because He is so special and so unique. And so when we start our prayer this way, we say, God, we want everything that we pray to be a praise to you. It sort of frames everything else that we've got in our prayers. Yeah, I think Tim Keller gets an answer to a question that we've all wrestled with. And I've wrestled with this. And I'll tell you, I read Tim Keller's book on prayer. And I think this was the the first time I had this really explained great to me. It's, It's if God knows everything and he knows what we want, why do we have to ask him? A lot of you are sitting up, you're paying attention. You're like, yeah, I'm wondering that. Yeah, why? Why? God knows. God knows what I need. Why do I have to ask him? Tim Keller says this. He says, well, listen, he says, if you didn't ask God and you're just like, man, I really, you know, I need this to work out for me. And then all of a sudden it worked out. What would you do? You'd be like, man, I nailed that. Look what I did. I took care of it. I needed this to happen. And my goodness, how lucky am I? You know, we'll ascribe things to luck or to our own ingenuity or to our own success. He says, it's not until we ask God And we say, God, I need your help. I can't do this. I need you to help me with this. It's then that we recognize where it comes from when it does. When we pray and we say, God, would you help us with this? And he does and he comes through. We give glory to God and we don't say, well, that was luck or that was me. We glorify God because we say, I asked God and he answered my prayer. And so that's why we, we hallow the name of God. We want God's name to be praised both through our praise, the words of our mouth, but also through the answers that God gives to our prayer. And what is the name that we're to hallow? Well, as Christians, we pray in the name of Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14 says this. Jesus says, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father, what, may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. Jesus says, if you ask for the things that are going to bring me glory and that are going to bless your life in a way that it gives me glory, I'm going to answer those. John 16, 23 through 24 says this, On that day you will ask nothing of me. Very truly, I tell you, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, that's Jesus' name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. They've not prayed in the name of Jesus. That's the idea here. But he says, ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. Jesus tells the disciples and he tells us to pray in his name. Because when Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name, we don't get confused. And the glory goes to Christ who points the glory back to God. I like this quote so much from Wiersbe's book that I've got it here up on the screen. It says this, it says, the world doesn't care if we use words like God or Lord, if we pray in God's name or the Lord's name, but if we use Jesus's name, we declare war. Not to speak the name of Jesus is to announce our defeat and abandon the very purpose for which God left us on this planet. 
Friends, when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. I don't know another way to pray than in the name of Jesus. And so as believers, it's good for us to start our prayer by recognizing God for who He is, our gracious Heavenly Father, and to start our prayer by praising Him. Because when we start our prayers with praise, it orients the rest of our prayer, and I, I dare say it orients the rest of our life, which is why that we've, we've got to regularly praise our Heavenly Father. We do well when we orient ourselves to God's majesty through prayer. But friends, it shouldn't stop there. You shouldn't honor God just for five minutes in the morning or five minutes or night or, or during your commute to work. It should go beyond that. And as we go through this Lord's Prayer study, we're going to try to be introducing some disciplines and some ideas that will help you to, to both start and end your day with prayer and to have a prayerful spirit throughout the day where we can pray without ceasing and not just honor God with our mouths, but our lives. Titus chapter 1, verse 16 says this. It says, They profess to know God. In other words, they praise God with their mouths, but they deny Him by their actions. And so what's the result there? Detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. How about this Jeremiah 31, 15 through 16 says this, You yourselves recently repented and did what was right in my sight by proclaiming liberty to one another. You made a covenant before me in the house that is called by my name. He says, you came to church, you said all the right things, but what happened? But then you turned around and profaned my name when each of you took back your male and female slaves whom you had set free according to their desires, and you brought them again into subjection to be your slaves. You see, right here, we get this picture that when we, we address God as our Father in heaven and we say, God, we want your name to be hallowed, it doesn't stop with the prayer. It's to go on through the rest of our life, through the rest of our day, and that's the challenge of prayer, is to live it out, to take God with us in everything so that our Father in heaven would be hallowed in everything. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, that God's name would be hallowed, that we would pray in a way that brings God glory without ceasing throughout our day. And so that's the challenge, is that we would people who would regularly praise the name of God and call on Him. William Carey said this, he said, You can do more than pray after you've prayed, but until then you should, you should pray. And friends, that's what we're starting with here. If you've got your hand out there, you've, maybe you've been taking notes or drawing pictures of something. Uh, if you flip it over to the back, this is sort of what I'm hoping you would maybe take on this week. Uh, got a, you know, should we use the Lord's Prayer as a prayer? That's, we've talked about that. Great resources to continue your journey in prayer. These are some books I've looked at as, as we've thought about this series, as I've thought about my own prayer life. Some books I found particularly helpful. I think you'd enjoy them. Um, but this, this last section here, the practice of prayer. Just like anything, prayer improves with practice. And so some of you are well-practiced in prayer, and you, man, you've got prayer down, and you've got a healthy, vibrant prayer life. And so if that's the case, and you're like, this isn't going to help, then, then don't worry about it. This, this isn't the right way to pray. The, the most important rule about prayer, and you may want to write this down, the most important rule about prayer is that you pray. It's not how you do it, it's that you do it. And so if your prayer life is great and this isn't helpful, don't worry about it. But if your prayer life is non-existent, and that's what I started this with, if your prayer life doesn't exist at all except for rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God. And that's, like, that's it. And then your mama taught you, and, and that's, you know, you, you know, that's it. And, and good, good. I'm glad we're starting somewhere. This will get you a little bit further, okay? 
And so here's what I would challenge you. This week, every night before you go to bed, and you can start with this today, is start simply by saying, God, would you help me to pray? And so that's sort of that first bullet there. Lord, would you help me to pray? If your mind is prone to wander and you are distracted, uh, I've got some psalms there that maybe will help focus your thoughts as you end the day with God. Uh, they'll, they'll get you directed in, a, in maybe a little more healthy place. And then after you've done that, prayerfully reflect on your day. Start back in the morning from where you woke up. You had breakfast. You, you drove to work, which you did at work, how you saw your family. Just kind of go through each scene. And as you do, thank God, praise God, hallow His name for the way that He's been present with you throughout the day. And then close by praying the Lord's Prayer thoughtfully, slowly, each word sincerely with meaning and feeling, uh, and give that a shot. Try that. See how that works for you uh, throughout this week. Give it a shot. And, and, if, and if you're finding that's helpful or you've got some ideas, I'd love to hear from you. Some of you are like, well, praying before I go to bed, I, I, I fall asleep. I, well, well, if you do, you know, don't pray in bed. You know, People that lay down in bed with their eyes closed and their head on their pillow find that that happens frequently. Um, <laughs> studies show. I would say this. I would say if that's a problem, pray at your table. Maybe you just pause at the kitchen table before you come in or in a chair. Not, not too comfortable. Or a lot of people will get on their knees before they go to bed at night and they'll pray that way. And they find that that reminds them of what they're doing. They're meeting with God. They're praying with God and they've sort of got an agenda for that time. So give it a try. See how it goes. Next week, we'll add, we'll add some more disciplines to this practice. But I think that if, if you give that a shot, you'll find that that will bless you uh, in your prayer life. All right, so I'm looking forward to the series. I'm looking forward to, to going through the Lord's Prayer with you, and, and it's been great what I've learned, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to how God's going to draw us closer to Him. We're going to have our worship team come up, and I want to talk a little bit about time of decision. As we go through the series, we also want to make sure that during this time, we have time for you to come if you want to pray with somebody. If you want to come forward during this time for prayer, I'd love to pray with you. Jenny's down here. She'd love to pray with you. Uh, we've got some elders in the overflow room. Elders in the overflow room, put your hands up maybe so people know they could come pray with you. We've got elders in here. You can put your hands up, elders in here. Yeah, go ahead. All right, we got, we've got one. I think the rest, they sit out there so that way everybody else can sit in here. That's true. Um, Steve Briggs, right back there in the back. Um, but we want to make this time available for prayer. We're going to sing two songs. So we have time to, to pray, and, and if you want to reflect on, on who God is before we come to our time of communion, that's great. But this song right now that we're going to sing is our song of decision. And as we start the new year, and you think about addressing God as our Father, it, it's a little overwhelming to you because you don't really know God in that way. You'd like to know God. You like the idea of prayer that you could talk to God, the creator of the universe, God who sent Jesus to die for your sins, and that you could be saved, and you like that idea, but you've never experienced that gift. If that's the case, we'd love for you to come forward. I'd love to talk with you about what that means to become a Christ follower. Others of you, maybe you're, you need to make a commitment to, to serving and to worshiping with Christ's body here at this particular church. If that's the case, we'll invite you to come forward. Uh, but if you don't have a decision to make, let's take this time to prayerfully sing the song as we reflect on, on the gift of God through Jesus Christ. Let's be standing.